All right. Welcome back to the Crave Show with J. Russ and Fikes. Oh, I threw you off. You thought I was going to say Chris, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> gotcha. I don't think I've ever heard you self-apply Fikes. Yeah. Now, the, no, welcome welcome to the show. We are, we're happy to be recording again. We missed last week, and uh, here we are this week, ready to go. Um, it's good to see you, J. Russ. Really good, man. Yeah, you too. Uh, I keep trying to... Uh kind of have a, a list of guests that I'd like to have on the show, relevant topics. And I, I think I've got a really good list, but this week, uh, we competed in VFS, uh, about a week ago. Uh, I had a couple days off and then I did uh, four way and eight way belly at the U S nationals. Uh, and, uh, I've kind of a funny anecdote about that, but it, it, the long days when you texted me today and said, Hey, are we on for tonight? I went, Oh, wow, I haven't, I haven't done anything related to the podcast. So I gotta, I gotta definitely do a better job about lining up our guests, but, uh, I do think I have some really good ones in the coming weeks. So hopefully I'll, I'll, uh, kind of get off my butt and get that done. Um, well, well on that note, actually, I, I was thinking about when you texted me back today mm -hmm. and, uh, I was thinking about that. I was like, I am so thankful for, well, I'm, I'm thankful for you and for the friendship that we've, we've been growing over the, over the past year or so, but also just your, your willingness to get people and invite people on the show. Like everybody that you've brought on has been so enjoyable in different ways. Um, but also I want to say you like, I, I felt kind of bad. Like, I don't want you to feel pressured that it's all on your shoulders to get people. Oh. I, I think it's so fantastic. Mm. I, I love it that you bring people on cause it's been so good, but I also kind of was feeling, I was like, Oh man, I hope Jairus doesn't feel like it's all on him. Well, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I feel pressured. I just, <laughs> I feel like I know a lot of people in the sport um, and whether they're a long time in the sport or a little time in the sport, there's some, there's some really amazing people in our community. Uh, and um, yeah, I feel like uh, when, uh, if, you know, when, for instance, Dave, that is this, uh, does Skydive Radio, uh, he hosts that at Skydive Chicago most commonly. Uh, when he asked me to go on the podcast, I'm I'm stoked. Sure, man, I'll, I'd love to be on your podcast. So I think that there's a lot of people in our community that have, well, number one, interesting things to say, but also, you know, they're excited about about getting a chance to do something like this. So mm -hmm. no, not a lot of pressure. Just it, or if there is any, it's just self applied. All but, right. Um, yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah, I I love it, man. I I love it that you're excited to invite people and get them on the show because it's it's been super great. So keep well, it up, man. Yeah. We were talking, uh, there's a, let's see, this, this is, oh, let me go back to the anecdote about, yeah about, uh, nationals. So VFS was VFS and, and our team did well. Um, and then there's this older couple at, uh, at Scott of Chicago, Chuck and Sally Finley, who have been asking me, I'd say this is the fourth or fifth nationals where they say, Hey, J Russ, you're going to be out at nationals and we, we know you can fly in your belly. Can you be on a team with us? And every year I've got military or I, I, I've got work or whatever. And I did have work this year, um, but it was a introduction to big way free flying. And it was two, two groups of eight, I think. And Steph said, I can handle this on my own. I'll, I'll do a back to back. And uh, there's a guy there that can do video for us and all good. And so go ahead and, and jump with Chuck and Sally. They're super nice <laughs> older couple. And, uh, and so I did it. And then I said, yes, I, okay, here we are in the, the messenger chat thread. Yes, I can do it, guys. Um, tell me the dates and I'll change my flights and blah, blah, blah. So a couple of weeks go by. 
and uh i see them at the drop zone and and i think chuck or or maybe sally said hey uh did you do an advanced team a couple of years ago with uh this guy richo um who I, I might have on the show um richo is a swooper he's australian he's a very colorful character of a dude um and he he asked me to do a, a belly team either last year or two years ago and I said, yes. And then he said, okay, cool. You've said yes. But the rule is there are no tummy suits with like, you can fly in whatever you want, but it's not going to be a booty gripper suit. And I said, okay. And Wait, so that I was had just a, hit, that was just his rule for his yeah, team. Just or his what? Rule. I want to have fun and it's not going to be serious. And we're going to remember it by <laughs> not doing anything serious. That's and awesome. so I want to go with that guy. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> and awesome. uh, we had another swooper, Pat Kessler, who's the other inside flyer. I have the memory of concussed goldfish. Um, it's like, just don't come in last place, man. <laughs> I don't think we did. I think we did okay. No, I'm saying um, that's your goal. As long as yeah. if we don't come in last, we won. So anyway, he, he I said, okay, Richo, if we do this, we're going in open. Like nobody at my experience level should be going in advanced or whatever. And he said, well, yeah, but my girlfriend Tam is in advanced and I really want to talk some crap to her. So we got to go in advanced. Like, oh, wait, she was on a different team? Yeah, she was on oh, her so, own. So like, he wanted to go against her and like, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, but she's on a, a semi-serious mm -hmm. belly team. And, but he uh, wanted so, to talk smack and like, yeah, exactly. oh, I love it. Like, I like this guy. What'd you get in this round and what I get in this round and blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and you know, yeah, you got a no 20, but we're, yeah, yeah, we're in swoop shorts. Yeah, and awesome. so I said, okay, it's a little bit sandbaggy, but okay, we'll go Let's in advanced and you can talk crap to your girlfriend. Yeah. And I told that story to Chuck and Sally with those exact words. Like I felt like a sandbagger. I really should not be in advanced. And they both kind of looked at me and said, mm, do you, you know, we're an intermediate. <laughs> Which is below advanced. Below right? advanced. And there is a <laughs> beginner class. But when that happened, I said, no, I did not know that. Uh, so, so now you really are the ringer. Totally. And I should have said this before I told you that story about being a sandbagger. Um, but uh as it turns out like we we did a couple training jumps the day before and we were in the right category we uh we had a lot of fun and uh we, we wait wait uh, wait was that a nice way of saying y'all weren't very good well I, there were 23 or 24 teams and i think we finished 17th 16th okay. something like that i i could look it up <clears throat> but uh we, we had a great time the 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 maybe the funniest part is that richo uh the guy that was it for sure would not leave it alone that I was a sandbagger and actually said, I have never wanted someone to podium so badly as I want you to podium in intermediate belly so that you can crush the dreams of people that actually train to do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, the teams that actually trained, of course, beat us. It's very hard to, to beat a team that trains when you don't yeah. train. Doesn't it, matter what skill level you're at. It sounds so fun. Like that, that kind of, yeah. that kind of thing, that sounds really fun. Yeah. And I mean, it's easy for me to, to have that kind of an experience because my serious event already happened. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, so for, for something else, it's, yeah, it's great to have a good time. And it's it was, like Richo competed in, uh, he did swoop comping. So the CP, CP freestyle, uh, VFS, MFS, four way and eight way belly. I don't, I didn't see him doing 16 way. I think he was saying the same thing as me. Like, okay, that's, that's enough belly competition. I'm, I think his game is Zelda and my game is Dota. And we both said, okay, I got a day off. I'm just going to play video games for a day <laughs> <laughs> and I go home tomorrow. Uh, but can you, 
Can you explain that canopy freestyle to me? I don't, I don't. Mm, Yeah. So what is it? How does it work? I've never watched it or I I don't understand. So the, after it usually happens after the, the other competition, the, the speed accuracy and um, distance competition that are combined into the, the, I don't know what to call it. I wouldn't call it the real competition because they're both real competitions, but um, the, the bigger number of rounds. And I, I haven't competed freestyle in a long time, so I might get this wrong, but basically you're, you're doing cool things across the water and you could call them tricks. Although that, I don't know if that's the right term, but you're, you know, there's, there's a designated kind of list of things that you can do and then people can throw in whatever they feel like trying Uh, lazy boys where you, uh, you let go of the toggles and you kind of lean back in your harness or, uh, I think a switchblade is when you put both toggles in one hand, you can do a switchblade cowboy, which is, I th- think switch toggles in one hand, the other hand touches the water. Yeah. Uh, so there's all these derivations of, of different can things do, that people have come up with. Do people do a blind man on the water? Can you do yeah. that? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. In fact, one of our old teammates, Timmy <clears throat> was exceptionally good at those, man. He was so good at them. Um, That's cool. Went into a, a video years ago that was kind of edited in a special way. And then I remember one year, um, a guy from the drop zone that I was jumping at decided that he could come down. I think two guys came up with this the same year. Cause Tom, Tom Baker might've done it. And then, um, this guy, Dave Billings from the drop zone I was at, they thought they could come down and basically strike the water just hard enough to front flip through their harness and give themselves a step through, but then finish the swoop that way. Mm. And as, how, uh, how would you have toggle? I mean, how would you be able to use your toggles? Aren't they twisted up at that point? No, uh, no, you, you could, keep, you would leave, you, you can, yeah, you can land okay. with a step through. Um, but, uh, I don't remember ever seeing <clears throat> one of them do it successfully, but it was certainly some, some big splashes when they tried. Yeah. Um, and so it, the, yeah, the, the freestyle thing comes after the, whatever the word is regular competition. Um, and it's more artistic interpretation of what's cool about swooping. And you just have judges judging it? Yeah, you have judges. And then some of the moves have like a difficulty score. And so um, you get whatever your score is by that multiplier. And then um, some of them are, you know, your own creation. And so the judges don't really know what to do, but you still get some some kind of score that they deem appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I, somebody out there is probably going to think, oh, J-Rest, you're messing this up. And that's totally possible. <laughs> so if uh, somebody writes into you or, or uh, gives us some feedback on online, then... I got, I got things to learn. Yeah. Um, yeah, but oh, what's the scoring system? Is it like, like 10 point? Like, you know what I mean? How do they score it? That's that part. I, I'm not going to say, cause know. I, I don't have, I don't remember <clears throat> enough or have enough information in the, mm-hmm. wow. Well, I, I would love to quote out too, like what the current speed record is or what the current distance rec- distance record is. And I, I, I can't, a couple of years ago, um, I believe, oh, yeah, I shouldn't even start saying because the dis- the distance records and, and speed are so fluid that. Is the, the speed, the, I mean, if they're breaking 100 miles an hour, isn't that insane? Yeah. I mean, is, uh, is that, I'm, I'm, I would just guess that like, it's got to be like 102, but is it, you think it's faster than that? Potentially. I, wow. again, I'm going to speak out of turn a little bit, but um, I believe when an, uh, my Steph, my wife showed me a, a posting by Nick Batch, who's a pro swooper, 
and he had a 360 cam on his head mm-hmm. when he was jumping something like I think a 55 or 56 square foot canopy and he came through the gates uh and his right wing tip I believe struck one of the buoys mm-hmm. and he I think he typed into that description that he was going 93 miles an hour at the time that he hit the buoy which would have already he would have been decelerating from mm-hmm. the the most the quickest part of his his dive um and he wadded up and broke a lot of stuff oh, man. um and and that's not nick's first time getting seriously injured uh as a professional swooper so y- yeah a little bit insane and and i think that you know anybody could potentially make comments about the unnecessary nature of it and i just think human beings are going to are going to push the limits whenever whenever they Dude, do i think it's awesome they really can yeah i say do it if you want to do it do it it's awesome yeah i think that uh they're for for people who do end up you know having those injuries they're sometimes they're um sort of a thing that's going to come back and, and bite you later on in life but I've, I've done those same things to my body racing motorcycles and i, I you know you just got to smile and say man i had a great time doing it and uh if, if I could go back and change stuff, I wouldn't be me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Totally random topic. Mm-hmm. Up in Chicago, do y'all ever have uh, dust devils or dirt? That's what we call them down here. Dust devils. It's rare. It's much more rare. But um, in Arizona, you guys have them a lot, don't you? Oh gosh. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. And in <clears throat> fact, um, when we're working with um, military students where there's, there's a point about, I don't know, 10 o'clock, 1030, where we, we really start talking to them about, Hey guys, this is, this is the time of day where winds are going to be squirrely. They're going to switch around. They're going to drop off. They're going to pick up, uh, and dust devils are going to be a thing. And in fact, I think most of the, I, I'm, I would say a hundred percent of the instructors wear polarized glasses because of how much better you can see dust devils when you're under canopy. No way. Um, yeah, really? yeah. Yeah. If you haven't noticed that difference, you, well, because I don't you ever... haven't. I don't ever jump with sunglasses. I, my goggles are just clear, but mm. I was just talking actually to my dad today. I was telling him about, because last week when I was jumping, I think, so I just hit 1300 jumps and I think okay. it was actually my 1300, like that jump when I was on final and I was coming down, I, I just do an, a 90, like it's nothing fancy, but I still, you know, I pick up a little bit of speed. And so as I was, as I was, you know, kind of diving my canopy, all of a sudden I just, weird like weird feeling it just felt crazy like popped me up and then and turned me yeah i'm gonna say at least 40 maybe 50 degrees like a significant amount completely turned me and shook me sideways and i just slowly let up on my risers and kind of rode it out because like what is going on and then i got about 15 i was probably about 15 feet above the ground and the next thing i know i was it felt like 50 feet above the ground Sure. And just like all over the place, like, and then I, you know, landed and flared real hard. I was, it was fine, but I was telling my dad, I was like, I, I couldn't see it at all. Now on the ground, a couple of people like afterwards came over to me like, man, you flew through this huge dirt de- dust devil, but I couldn't see it at all. So sorry, go ahead. What were you saying about polarizing? Sorry. Well, well no, I was, I was just going to add that, that you <clears> might want to think about incorporating that if it's something like, it sounds like hundred percent, you went through a dust devil. And then also 100%, you were pretty lucky about the outcome um, because a lot of people are not that lucky. And uh, and I was actually working a course um, in uh, Eloy a, a decade ago, 
and um i was on the ground and said oh gosh there's a dust devil there and the guy next to me another instructor was like dude are you wearing polaris glasses and i said no he's like put these on and i put them on and there were probably a dozen that popped into view at like I, i was like oh my god uh Okay. And I went home and got polarized glasses that night and started wearing them under my helmet. Um, oh, Megan, I would have never guessed that. Yeah. Like so, you, you could have asked me that and I would have said, no, no way. There's no way polarized glasses would help you see that. No, no, 100%. That's wild. Yep. And the, the, the downside is that um, your digital altimeter likely also has a polarized face, mm-hmm. which means that if, if, if you're not looking at it at exactly the right angle, it's going to look dark. Um, so that's kind of a trade-off, I guess, on, on safety. Uh, but I would like to be able to see dust devils and not fly through them. Man. Um, we have a guy at Scott of Chicago. Uh, I think it's okay to say his name, Nick Fenner, who um, is a really great guy. He's still skydiving. He went through a dust devil uh, in Paris Valley 18 years ago, 17 years ago. And he just came down from, I think, 60 feet. Oh, and, just collapsed uh, his canopy. Yep, just collapsed his canopy. And he came down onto <clears> his like basically a standing position mm-hmm. and just kind of vaporized his lower legs. Um, mm-hmm. And so when he, when he got to the hospital, the doctors were starting to talk to him about it's going to be, I don't know how long, but we got to pin all this stuff together and the bones are just shattered and there's nothing really substantial left. And we don't know how we're going to grow them back. And he was just like, Hey, those things got to go. That's I'm not doing that. Um, so he jumps in prosthetics now. Um, yeah. I mean, that was, I'm sure it wasn't as quick as I'm making it sound, but that was his decision of like, Hey, I, I don't want to go through four years of reconstructive bone growing and, and not ever have legs that work. Like I'm okay from the knee up and I'll get some prosthetics. Um, it's actually, uh, I think, a like a Netflix or YouTube kind of documentary about him. Wow. But, but wow. yeah, definitely something to be careful of. Yeah. Yeah. That's and crazy. The, the glasses can really help. What else would you, when you're talking to the military guys or anybody, I mean, what can we say to people? What can you share that's, I mean, besides try to avoid them at all costs, what what else do you do? I mean, all costs gets to be an interesting expression as you get closer to the ground, right? And so are you going to bury a toggle at 40 feet to try and avoid a dust devil? I don't, I don't know if that's the right thing. Okay. So not all costs, Um, not at all costs, (laughs) but if, you know, if you're starting to enter the pattern at a thousand feet or 1500 feet or whatever your entry level is, um, and you see a dust devil, then outs, I mean, they're totally unpredictable. You don't know where they're going to shift to in the landing Mm -hmm. area and you want to immediately start looking for outs. And from my perspective, an out that might be like a crosswind into an open area, or potentially tangling with a dust devil going into the wind in my landing area. That's not any kind of question. I'm, go- mm-hmm. I'm going to the out. I, I'll take the crosswinder. Um, I'll slide my landing in. Uh, I'll, I don't know, not look like a professional for, for one landing and that's okay. Yeah. Um, dust devils generally are just unpredictable to the point that, I mean, the only thing that I really could say is if you find yourself about to enter one, I think that your response that you, you mentioned of letting up on the rears, let it let your canopy fly you want it to have a pressure uh in it and you want to get you want to punch through it um for those people who don't have um cross braces on their canopy they can expect uh a more scare probably a little bit scarier experience cross bracing can i'm not i'm not encouraging people to get on cross brace canopies but the rigidity of the wing due to the cross braces means they're better able to um deal with that 
that mm. level of turbulence. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I kind of wondered if maybe just that little bit of extra speed that I had going into it and through it, maybe that helped a, a, a little bit at some, you know, some mm. amount. Um, mm. Like you were saying, you got a little bit of speed, a little more air pressure in the cells, in the canopy, helping it stay inflated and kind of push through maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Is so, this Steph? Is this your stuff? Yeah, it looks like my wife is in the oh, audience. Awesome. Um, so she put a link in here um, <clears throat> to the movie about Nick. So it says www.getbusylivingmovie.com. Cool. And I don't know if that if that's something that gets recorded into uh, into our cast, but uh, people can try that. And it's it's a pretty cool story, just perseverance and in, in adversity. Yeah, that's awesome. That, yeah, the, I mean the chats over here don't get, but I mean it's worth saying again. GetBusyLivingMovie.com. Yeah. yeah. GetBusyLivingMovie.com. And that's the one about the guy you said, Nick, that that fell, hurt his legs, and ended up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, just a, a great guy, real positive, um, you know, just an, a nice presence around the drop zone. And, and <laughs> uh, I don't know if, I don't know how this will land with him, but in my opinion, um, inspirational, like that, that he went through that adversity and, and, you know, if it's, if there's a five mile an hour headwind, Nick is standing up his landing on prosthetic legs. Uh, it's, and he's on a, I don't know, Valkyrie 90, maybe, uh, you know, he's a good free flyer, his wife, Lindsay, and, uh, another friend of ours, Joey from the drop zone and their camera flyer, Nick Nash finished third in uh, open MFS this year. I think wow. it was their, their first year as a, a full-time team. And they were pretty stoked about that. Nick filled in a bunch on the flying camera for that team and, did a, That's did cool. a tremendous That's job. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I wanted to go back to just, you said that national sounded fun. And, uh, I just wanted to share with anybody that might be listening that nationals is great. And, uh, I would love to see more people there. I, I talked to a few people at this one that said, man, this, Oh, our camera flyer for eight way, Jeremy, he said, man, this is my first nationals. This is great. Everybody's so excited and we're having a good time. And like, it's a little bit like, excitement on about pressure about like trying to do a good job and like getting everything on film and the exit. And, and I said, man, this is, that's outstanding. This, I think this is probably my 21st national straight. And, uh, and so it's just great to, to see the excitement on somebody that, uh, that it's their first time. I don't, I don't think I've missed any for a while since, wow, pretty much cool. since I started skydiving. And even going just as a spectator, I mean, just to go, just to be a part and watch and that's, uh, I mean, I, that sounds like that, that could be fun too. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, at this place, <clears throat> most drop zones have a very similar setup and most, most of the big ones. Um, so this one was at skydive, uh, Rayford XP, which is in Rayford, North Carolina. Um, it is, uh, I think owned by John Denunzio or Tim Denunzio, but that family and, um, and they have a, a little bar area restaurant where you can sit outside on the patio and nice sunshades and you can watch everybody land. Uh, you see the different loading areas and the planes constantly taken off. You can go inside as a spectator and kind of see the scoring. Um, you can see, yeah, it's, it's super fun to watch. And, uh, even if you're not into skydiving, just that there's all this activity going mm -hmm. on. Uh, yeah, really fun. Just like a real, I'm imagining a high energy, but positive, excited, like everybody's just having fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, I, I can say this about our team as well. There's, um, the more, the more serious you are, I think that of course, then the easier it is to get a little bit caught up in, in like, Hey, we're trying to be serious and, 
and it's it's easier sometimes to lose sight of the the fun aspect of of what you're doing mm-hmm. because you are dedicating so much time and energy and money and and you know it's it's a relationship with with four other people uh if it's a you know a four-way team with video and those relationships get strained mm-hmm. um and so uh that i mean I, again like as the your intensity goes up as far as what you're willing to commit to like we would like to stop being a just having fun team we'd like to still have fun but we now we want to win um then the you know the intensity gets a little bit more yeah yeah, yeah. is there any fun jumping that's happening during that or it's all it's only competition stuff um i i think i saw some fun jumpers there for sure the the practice days um there were fun jumpers that were occasionally jumping on our planes i think during the competition they limit the competition loads to just the competitors and then Although I didn't see it with my own eyes, I would assume that there are still people that want to jump. And since Rayford has a variety of planes, I did see the caravan take off. I saw the Casa take off. Those are not part of the competition. So it could have been that they were going to contract somewhere, or it could have been that, that there were fun jumpers coming down. But I think in the in the middle of um, my event, I'm, I'm kind of paying attention to what I'm doing and I don't really care that much, to be honest, about the, the regular functioning of the drop zone. I'm, I know the call I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even on my, say my belly forward team, that was not serious at all. We, I mean, we made three jumps before the competition. It was the first three jumps I'd made with these four other people. Um, you know, when we come down, we've got an hour on the ground. Hey guys, I'm going to go use the bathroom, which is fine. Of course that I go use the bathroom, but I want to tell them that I'm going to use the bathroom because it can get a little stressful. Like, well, we would like to prep the next dive or we would like to, you know, I don't know, they, the, you know, the creepers that they want to mm-hmm. lay down and roll on. Yeah. Um, luckily my four-way team didn't want to do that, but my eight-way team did. Uh, but you know, there's, there's just a, it, it, even at the very basic, we're just having a good time. We just met each other. Let's go skydive. There's still some, some, you know, you got to be respectful of your team. And Wait, why be... did you say, luckily my four-way team didn't want to get on the creepers? You just don't like them? Uh, well, um, it's kind of a ritual in, uh, in belly flying to get down and, and, and you creep, you, you get on the, I don't know, creepers. I don't know yeah. what other way to describe them, but you know what I'm talking about, yeah. you know, and uh, you lay down and, and it is important to <clears throat> look at sort of the, the little movements of like how to get back and forth between one, this random or that random and like tweak a little bit. Um, and, and so, you know, the teams that finished at the top airspeed, the XPG four, the women's team, the U.S. women's team, and then um, SDC's belly team was Rhythm. Those three teams, they're very good. They know all of this stuff. They they know it very well. But still, they get on the creepers and they roll around and get the movements right and just, just in preparation. In VFS, we don't have creepers because we would need a harness to flip ourselves upside down. So we just walk. We, we take the grips and we move around and we, we turn the pieces, but there's no associated creeping. Um, so for guy that spends most of his time free flying to get down on the creepers and have your lower back get kind of strained. And, and it, I just was happy that I didn't have to do a tremendous amount gotcha. of it. Um, gotcha. Yeah. My, and my team was not, we're, we're not serious. And so every once in a while we'd look at, a, you know, how does this block turn or how do we move from this block to this random or whatever, but we didn't, I don't think anybody felt serious enough that we needed to get down and creep because the likelihood of those exact movements going into our skydive was low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> on the, 
when you were talking about the other belly teams, did you say, did you say Hayabusa? Isn't that a belly team? Hayabusa? Did I say Hayabusa? I didn't oh, think gosh. you did. No, no, no. They are a, a, a very good belly team, but they are from uh, Belgium. Oh, so they, they, they don't compete in this one? Uh, I don't know if they never <clears throat> have. I think they probably have once that I can remember. Um, and it's great when foreign teams come, but they're a guest team. They're not U.S. citizens. Um, and so um, if they come to compete, like as a, for instance, when Steph and I were living in Dubai, um, the best teams or some of the best teams in the U.S. were or in the world were in the U.S. And so we um, took trips over to the U.S. Nationals. Uh, our, so we had represented the UAE as as their NAC, their their skydiving association. So we were, even as Americans, we were guests in most of those competitions. We had a UK teammate. Um, so he's definitely a guest. And, um, but we went over to slug it out with uh, Arsenal and, uh, and Rook's team, which was uh, standard, uh, SDC standard. And uh, there was another very good team from Arizona called Drive. Um, and then one year, I think in 2000. 11 or 13, the very good world champion French team joined us. And we all slugged it out at the U.S. Nationals because we were quite close to each other as, as a team. Um, as far as scores and the, the, we, we had been catching up to the French and they knew we had probably kind of passed them and, and, and there's not that many VFS competitions and they didn't want to wait until we get to the world meet to find out how much work do we need to put in and they, when we, so when we signed up, they also signed up. And so it, it became a de facto world level competition, uh, in spite of it just being the U S nationals. Gotcha. <clears throat> but real I don't quick. think Hayabusa was here this year. Okay. Um, back to the real quick, the, the prosthetics and, and that mm. guy, where did I see the other day a video? Maybe it was you and Cowie. He, he might've posted a video somewhere and, um, it was a group of angle flyers and one of the angle flyers had, a, had a prosthetic. I didn't even realize it. I just saw this group of guys just shredding. I'm like really mm. good. You know, everybody's flying tight and close and like, look, it was a great video. And then in the description, you know, or caption or whatever, it said something about so-and-so, you know, flying with a prosthetic, just killing it. And I was like, I don't know which guy it is. I can't tell. Yeah. Like he was, yeah. Just doing so awesome. I was like, hmm, it's one of these guys, but I don't know which one. <laughs> so um, there's a guy in Arizona that films for Airspeed. His name's Brandon, uh, Brandon Hayden. And um, he was on the cover of Parachutist last year, early this year, doing a swoop meet where he did a blind man and the sort of unusual backward pressure knocked his prosthetic off. So on the cover of Parachutist, he's, he's in a blind man. And his prosthetic is like twirling across the water. It was a really good I did not picture. see that. That was yeah, on the cover? It was a good one. Yeah, it was on the cover. I did not um, see that one. I guess I totally missed it. Yeah. And a, a bunch of years ago, I went on a, do you know what a pylon race is in angle flying? Mm, no. So two people basically set up apart from each other, uh, I don't know, arbitrarily 20 feet. And then a group of other flyers just race around them as pylons. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you can do it with tubes. I've done it with tubes before, yeah, or you can just before. do a slick. You're just um, creating a, a, a virtual track in a track. the sky. Yeah, Not virtual, exactly. but yeah. Yeah. So I get out behind this UK skydiver, Alistair. He was a military guy and he had sadly stepped on an IED when he was in mm -hmm. the military and he didn't have 
lower legs. He was kind of had stump, uh, stump protectors on his knees, but he didn't even use prosthetics. He was just short dude. Cause he didn't have lower legs. And I was probably, I don't know, three laps around the pylons and I hadn't caught him yet. <laughs> and I was just like, and like, I mean, this is, is he doing this. Yes. How is this little guy going so fast? He's such a good flyer. And I mean, he wasn't a big dude. He was way stockier than me, you know, a, a former British military guy. Um, that but, should make uh, it harder for him. Yeah, but he was freaking fast, man. And I did end up passing him. Like he caught a, caught a look at me coming around one of the corners and like realized I was getting close to him and then just poured on the speed, but overshot the corner. And I, I managed to cut inside of him. Um, but man, I, we both landed and we were just laughing and, and high five. And I'm like, man, I cannot believe that you can do that with, you know, 18 or 24, whatever inches less surface area than I have. And you outweigh me by 30 pounds. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. So yeah, think, think how much flyers. drive you get just off of your feet, you know, like when yeah. you really flex, you really point your toes and really just like go for it, man. That's great. That's cool. Yeah. And I mean, it's 15 <laughs> years ago, so my skill set has changed since then. I'm sure his skill set has changed as well. And I would love to get out. <laughs> it sounds like a challenge. You're challenging yeah. this guy. I mean, if Alistair ever picks up on this, let's, let's go <laughs> let's pilot racing again. Let's set it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got fun. a story about the pylon race. I didn't know that's what you call it, but so this was, oh, five years ago, maybe, or more, maybe six years ago. Um, I was at a drop zone and this was with a person that, that, you know, I'm not going to say their name okay, cause it's going to make them look bad, but you know, them. Hmm. um, they were organizing and somebody said, Hey, or maybe they did like, Hey, what if we do, you know, this, we had a couple of tubes and like, so in, these two are going to have the tubes. They'll be like, like you said, 20 feet apart. And we're just going to all, you know, race around them. And I remember, and this was like, I didn't have, I, I only had like probably, I don't know, not, not very many jumps, but still I was like, Hey, so which way are we going? Cause in my mind is like, <laughs> this is super important, right? Like which way are we going? Yeah. And so he's like, we're all, we're going to go, um, counterclockwise. So I was like, okay. So everybody, right. We're all going counterclockwise, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right, cool. Like, and I was just, I was kind of scared, not scared, but like a little bit nervous. Like if we're trying to go as fast as we can around these people, okay, we're all going the same direction. So we get out tubes we start cruising and i make one circuit around and as i'm coming around i see him the organizer going the wrong way mm -hmm. and i saw him right as he come we're both going around the end at the same time he comes screaming around way faster than me but going the opposite direction and i just happened i mean i i saw him in enough time that i all i knew to do because i was kind of in a you know like a half track or whatever. And I probably wasn't a very good flyer at that time, but all I did was just put my hands up in front of me, just got as big as I could and just tried to like stop, you know, slow myself down. And as he came screaming around underneath me, his rig scraped across my chest mm. and he's just like, Whoa. and he never even saw me, mm. which I don't even know how, but we got down to the ground. I was like, what was that? I, what? And he's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I was like, dude, we almost, so I explained yeah. to him, told him what happened. And, um, it was crazy. It could have been very bad. So I think, I mean, that story is probably pretty common around skydiving. Uh, we said we were going to go one way and not everyone understood. And so it can be really helpful to talk <clears throat> about, to hold up dolls 
mm. at that moment. Like, hey, as you go around, look at the doll facing this guy. Their left arm is leading mm. as they go around the inside. And then, you, of course, you go straight. But as you turn, your left arm is in front of your right arm as you go around the corner. Or you're right in front of your left or whatever. Um, but that kind of a briefing can really help because obviously if you don't see him and he doesn't see you and you think this is great and you're both going full power, that's a lot of energy yeah. transferred. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. That would have definitely been a good idea for us to do that, yeah. that specific briefing. Yeah. One of the guys that I got to, of course I have stories, but one of the guys that, uh, that I want to have on the show is Andy Locke. He's a, um, a very accomplished free flyer from Arizona. Uh, and one of his videos that I know he has access to um, is of an angle fly jump where the intent was to get out, move a little bit, stop and go, stop moving, go straight down, build around, follow the leader to move to another spot, build a, build another round and just keep doing that until break off. And they had a plan for, okay, this is what we'll do if we're all straight down. This is what we'll do if we're all flying on an angle towards me. And he let a guy come on the, on the jump that he was a little bit unfamiliar with, but was, um, I don't even, uh, I don't, I don't want to get any more details than that, but yeah. the, the guy professed to have the right skill set, and, um, Andy said, okay. And, uh, and he didn't have the right skill set, and he couldn't do what they were trying to do. And, um, the resulting collision as the guy lost control while head down, um, on an angle, uh, knocked unconscious another guy who was capable of doing what they could do and had come to a stop um, as as planned. Um, and the rest of the skydive uh, is Andy uh, catching up with that unconscious flyer and getting him stable and then pulling his reserve. Um, and that, I mean, it, it has a, a reasonably happy ending, but those kinds of, of situations really uh, demand a, a lot of attention. And, and if you happen to be an angle flyer that would like to go on those more complicated jumps and the organizer is unfamiliar with your skill set. Those are the reasons why you might be told, Hey, I, I'm sorry, I can't take you on this jump. Like we need to go do a two way or something. So I can understand where you're at. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm laughing about my story only because I was okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it really wasn't funny. Obviously. Yeah. But... No, I mean, as long as both of you guys figured out, you know, a good way to approach those situations in the future and, and, and uh, don't let yourself get caught like that again. Then I, I, I mean, those are good stories, right? You, you did something that potentially could have been really bad and it wasn't. And, yeah. and uh, those, then it's, you know, then it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we didn't, not, not for this week, but I was going to mention to you, I got a message from someone that was asking, you know, cause we, we've been asking people for topics and, and questions and stuff like that. So we did have someone reach out and say they would, they would love for us to talk about um, mm. organizers yeah. and just kind of go into, you know, what is a good organizer? Um, what, what are organizers? What's their role? What's the purpose? You know, sure. Um, I think they were just wanting to hear more about that. They, from, from their um, question or comment that they, that they sent over, they didn't go into, they gave zero detail, but just basically kind of said they had had a, a little bit of a, a negative experience with an organizer. I think they mentioned that it was at a boogie. Um, and that was all they said, you know, and it really, I think put a bad taste in their mouth for that role, mm. like for the organizer role. And so, you know, without knowing the details of that, 
which is fine. We don't we don't need to know those details in order to talk about that topic. But um, I think that'd be cool for us. We've talked about it some, you know, but yeah. it'd be good for us to go back and revisit and give us some more more time well, and, and in depth conversation um, at some point in the future. So I was trying to think, like, um, you know, I mean, I know you've got tons of experience organizing, um, so that you know, maybe if um, there's somebody else that that you think of that would have some insight um, or whatever. Well, I mean, we've got, you know, usually we do this for an hour and we've got about 20 minutes left. So we, we can talk about this topic or we can move on. Um, if, if we wanted to have a guest on who, you know, is a, like a full-time organizer, I think a lot of times pe people who are professional skydivers, they do organizing. Uh, but as a, for instance, like I organize during Summerfest and then I, I will organize if, if I'm hired to do it. But more often than not, I end up doing other things, uh, full-time coaching, um, just cause it, to be honest, it pays a little bit better. Um, organizing, like if you organize it, uh, say Scott of Chicago, I don't even know what the deal is, but I'm guessing you're going to get paid in jump tickets maybe, um, which is not super enticing to me. Um, and so what ends up happening is that there are people who are coming up in their discipline who who would like to be organizers and, and their, I think their role is to put together fun jumps, um, within the bounds of safety and the skill sets that they have on that jump. And that can be kind of a big ask, uh, especially as the organizers themselves are sometimes not that experienced. They're just, they've got some experience and they're, they're kind of willing to organize. So it, if there was a word of advice that I could give, to anybody that was going to, I'm going to go over to this drop zone and I'm going to see if there's an organizer and I don't have anybody to jump with. So I really hope there is an organizer. Be honest about your skill set, And, and when they ask you, what can you do? Don't feel the pressure of like, well, I don't know. There's three people standing around and I don't want to say I, I can barely belly fly, but if that's what you can do, then say that. Um, mm -hmm. Because if, if you claim to have a skill set that you don't have, it's very likely that the organizer is going to take your word for it. They don't know you and the, the, the information that you provide, that's all they've got to go on. And if I'm organizing people generally, I will ask a couple of probing questions. You know, how many jumps have you got? Uh, you know, how many years have you been in the sport? How, if we're going angle flying, how many angle flies have you done? Um, but in that few minutes of us spending time together, I have to try and plan a safe dive based on the information that you just gave me. And if you're dishonest about it, which, sadly does happen sometimes then it 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 really puts not only you but other people in danger and it's just it's just way better to be honest about what you can do yeah um and it many times what will happen is if you can't do the thing they're trying to do it is the organizer's obligation to say cool i can't have you on this jump but i'm going to come down and i'm going to find a couple other people and then we are going to go and so it's not that they're telling you no and you shouldn't perceive it that way at least i hope that's not what they're doing that's not what they should be doing mm -hmm. um it's just that I already have these people and say arbitrarily they can fly head up and, and you can't and, and bringing somebody who can't fly head up on a three-way head up with good flyers is going to make this, you know, sort of un, unstable um, part of the formula. And I, I just want to avoid that for the safety of everyone. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but jumping in jumps that are built around your skill set are way more fun than trying to keep up with something that you were dishonest about and you really can't keep up with. Then and not only that, but if you, if you don't tell the truth about what you can do, 
25 minutes from now, I'm going to know the truth. And, and, and <laughs> it would just be out. better. Yeah. It'd just be better to tell me at the beginning. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, and if you, if, if you, hopefully if you don't get hurt or something bad, you know, if nothing bad happens, you just kind of wasted a jump. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Like you got left behind or you just were completely out of place or what, you know, whatever. Yeah. And this happens at every level. Like there, yeah. you know, if, if we're organizing a 40 way two plane shot, there's going to be somebody who says they can do it. And yeah, I can be a first stinger. And then they're okay. Well, there's 39 people here and one person gone and we can't do what we said we were going to do because you overestimated your skill set. Mm. And so it, it, at literally every level it happens, but um, yeah. yeah. And then as far as um, what makes a good organizer, I would say somebody who can do those things and stay pretty happy about um you know, the success level on most organized jumps is not always that great. And that's okay. As long as you kept it within the skill set of everybody and, and tried to keep it safe, that's, that's what your job is. But, you know, even experienced organizers end up having difficult situations and they, they do the best they can. Um, you know, not because just cause Steph's in here, um, not because anybody lied about their skill set, but um, she was doing beginner angle or no, she doesn't do beginner angle ever. Um, she was doing beginner free fly uh, a couple of years ago, I think at a summer fest, maybe like eight years ago. And just one person corked into another person and the person's wrist got broken or maybe their lower arm got broken. And it wasn't like, you know, it's, it's not like anybody's out there trying to hurt other people. That's why the groups are normally small. And you kind of count on the fact that there's a lot of space for everybody if we keep it small. And that time it just didn't work. And, you know, I, I think that the person who was injured, um, you know, they've gone through some pain and then the person that caused the injury has also gone through some pain. Um, so it, it still happens despite your best intentions, but you're, you're definitely, you're trying to keep it safe as much as you can. Yeah. And now with, with the tunnel and so many more people having access to tunnel and going to the tunnel, it's mm -hmm. very easy for, um, the, or an organizer's skill set to be very far Mm -hmm. ahead of their experience in the sport. So, you know, yeah, right? like I do know um, you, you could be, and, and I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm not, I think I am, I'm reflecting on my own experience of being an organizer over the past few years or however long and realizing how much I've learned, how much I learn every, all the time. You know, I feel like I learn something every time I'm at the drop zone, you know, it's like, yeah. there's so much to know in this sport about safety and taking care of each other and being a good skydiver, a part of the community, you know, and, and being, helping everyone be safe, even if they're not on my, my, in my group, but if they're on my load, like I have some level of responsibility towards them. Um, yeah. And yeah. so that, that just is really easy for that. How many, you can have an organizer who is a phenomenal flyer, very good. And so it's tempting to be like, Oh, well let's have him or her, you know, be an organizer or, or whatever. And, but there's so many things that, that we may not know about skydiving, you know? Yeah. I, I think this is especially poignant because I, I just, um, a few days ago requested the, the Summerfest feedback, uh, that we get. And for, I don't know of the 700 people or so that were there, a couple hundred fill out feedback and they ask them all kinds of questions. Um, questions about the food and the facilities and the jumps and the aircraft and the organizing and everything. And so luckily, um, Tracy that does, does the compiling of that information, um, highlighted, uh, 
what was pertinent to the organizers as the columns. And so I got to read all that as, as far as what people had to say about how we did. And, and, um, and there were many people who just like me saying, Hey, in about 20 minutes, I'm going to figure out whether you're telling me the truth or not. Our customers when are surprisingly adept at, at figuring out whether the organizer should be doing what they are signed up for, for that day. And as a, for instance, in, in uh, free flying, we have, um, we have four different levels for uh, free fly and for angle. And it became, well, I'll say they're beginner, uh, beginner, intermediate, advanced, and open of each category, angle and, and free fly. And so my, my process has been to, in the past, has been to just ask a bunch of people to organize. And I'll probably end up asking 40 or 50 people, and then it'll get whittled down to somewhere around 25 or 28. This year was the same. Uh, and within that group, usually I have a decent number of people who are willing and able to take angle jumps. And th this year specifically, uh, I was split about 50, 50 in my group. So I had 14 people who said they were willing and able to take angle jumps and 14 organizers who said, absolutely no. And, uh, that I, so I have to refine the process because that this is the first time it ever happened that way. Normally it's like three people who say they don't want to do angles, but the same 14 people had to do angles the whole time because the other ones were not willing to do it. Uh, and within that 14 people, there were, there were a couple of people who is exactly, as you said, they're, they're tunnel flyers, their skill set is super high, but their experience is not, uh, equivalently high. And the customers picked up on that and said, I look, this guy's a good flyer, but he shouldn't be, he should not be doing say arbitrarily ninja angle. Um, because although he has the skill set to fly it, there was no pre-brief. There was no debrief. We got, we got, you know, we got briefed in the plane or something, you know, and, and, and so, um, there is that issue on the other side of organizing as well about, Hey, uh, when, when I ask people, what can you do? I gotta, I gotta do a better job of finding out what they can do <laughs> because the customers knew, yeah. which is yeah. I, to their credit. Well, and, yeah. and what I was saying, I was totally talking about myself. Like I'm not mm -hmm. trying to badmouth other people because I've realized that about myself, how I was so excited to organize and to, to lead and to get to do that. And, and, but as I reflect back, I'm like, man, there was a lot of times I, I didn't know, I didn't really know what I was doing in a sense. And I was yeah, not, of course I wasn't intentionally putting people in danger or doing things I shouldn't have done. Sure. Not, not that, but just realizing that, man, wow, there's a lot to learn. Like there's a lot to learn. Yeah. I think, you know, if, if we looked at the two of us and, and you took, I don't know, somebody doesn't skydive or somebody doesn't fly and you and I go fly in the wind tunnel and, uh, they look at us and, and maybe I'm, I really am honestly saying maybe that afterwards you'd say, which one of those guys is better. And you're a really good flyer. I've seen you fly. And it, we would have to do something, say at really high level VFS before most of those people would go, Oh, I, I think that guy's maybe a little bit better. Um, like if we did dynamic flying or, well, you're, you're but, being too nice, but I see, but, I know but your you point. see my point, Yeah, but then it, there's no way at, I think you just said you have around 1300 jumps and I, th I think you've been in the sport three or four years. Is that right? Well, I got my license in 2013, but oh, there's so about, about four years that I wasn't really able to jump at all. So okay. since 2017, six years, six of, years of real jumping, like consistent. Right. And I'm, I'm coming up on 22 years in the sport and 21,000 jumps. And there's, then the disparity is, is, is bigger, you mm -hmm. know, and, and but, but again, not as a parent, because uh, I mean, if, if we just talk to some person around the drop zone, then we're both going to sound like very 
reasonable and well-spoken guys on skydiving like it's um but then you get it so when you start do getting into the minutia there's that sort of osmosis that happens when you're around the drop zone for 22 years that yeah. you just pick up on things and and you haven't had a chance to be exposed to them yet and in one of those situations of you don't know what you don't know until mm -hmm. you know it um yeah yeah that's why it would be great if um every organizer at the drop zone had 20 years and 20,000 jumps but it's just yeah. it's just not going to happen like that well, man, the, the more I've thought about it, I, I really think it would be awesome at some point if we can, if Crave, if we can have a, I mean, I think a course for organizers mm. in, in my mind, I think there's, there's plenty there, to, yeah, <laughs> plenty there of information is. to cover. Yeah. And I mean, not that I want to say, you know, drop zones need to require something like that, but I think it would be super beneficial. Um, even for me now, like when I'm, when I am around other more experienced organizers, uh, whether we're organizing together or we're just jumping or whatever, I, I try to pick their brain and ask them like, Hey, what do you think makes a good organizer? What do you do? What do you, what are you concerned about? Or what, you know, like I just try to ask and interview and understand because I just realized there's, there's a lot and, and I want to yeah. be, I want to be good at it and I want to help people have fun. I want to help them learn and progress and I want to keep them safe and I want to do a good job. And so, you know, I think that'd be super cool if we could at some point have a course like that for people. What might be interesting is just what you said, that um, that might be a good course to have um, 50 different people give five minutes. Mm. And oh, that's a good idea. Dude. You know, and hey, what do you think makes a good organizer and what are you trying to do? And, you know, eventually if somebody watched all of those different ideas, that would, I think, congeal into some major themes uh, oh, of what cool. people would have to say. And, and if you watched idea. enough of them, those sort of tributaries flowing into rivers of idea would, would probably come through to most people. Yeah. And th those, those themes would, would kind of come to the surface. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like Might that. Be. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Cause what I think about organizing and what you think about organizing are probably similar in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but then you're going to have tools in your kit that I would hear you say it and I go, Oh, that's great. I love to take that. Um, and I remember in my uh, tunnel instructor course, um, which was in 2005, one of my trainers was Joe Winters. And he said it in exactly that way. He's like, guys, you're going to stand in the door and you're going to watch coaches and you're going to watch them use some really slick coaching technique. And you're going to say, thank you for that. And just put it in your pocket. Uh, and uh, that's super true. Like when um, Steph and I went out to do a course in Virginia Beach, and Ray Kubiak is out there and Ray is the longest, the, the longest term of, of longest solid running. work as a tunnel instructor. I think he's going to, he's 25 or 26 years. He's been working in the tunnel industry as his primary job for that long. Is he still an instructor? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he is the lead instructor at, uh, at iFly Virginia beach and he and his partner are working on opening a tunnel facility themselves. And, I don't know where he grew up, but somewhere with a little bit of like Southern drawl to his voice, you know, and he talks slow and he's always chewing gum always talking. And, uh, but he, like, if you think I have a good skill set, he puts me to shame. And when I watch him coach, I'm just like, I, all I want to, I just want to stop whatever I'm doing for the next month. And I want to sit here and I want to watch Ray coach and I'm going to leave a way better coach because of like just the stuff he was doing with students. I mean, and I'm a good coach. And I'm, I can't even tie his shoes. He is so 
solid on everything that he does. It's crazy. Um, and I, I might, like for sure hats off to him. And if, I doubt Ray will ever hear this, but if he did, I, I love working with the guy. He's so good. That's cool. Um, you just quoted the Bible. Did you know that? No. What did Can't I say? Can't even tie his shoes. Oh, really? That's, that's, that's how the John, John the Baptist said that about Jesus. But Jesus yeah, wore sandals. Well, he said, I can't even, he said, I can't untie his sandals, actually. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, same, right. you said it, same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, you know, do you know Drew Steele? Do you know Drew? See, this kind of stuff gets me in trouble because I know a ton of people, but then I just, I, I go blank. And all I can say, guys, I got a lot of concussions from motocross. That's, that's, that's all I can say. It's not personal. It's not personal. <laughs> I love you guys. I really do. <laughs> Well, he, he's an instructor in Austin and he's, okay. he's been an, an iFly instructor. I mean, I don't think that, that long cause he's, he's not, not super old, but, um, but he's been an instructor for a long time and he's like that. He's just so awesome. Like, and he's a super humble, like just a, he's a sweet guy. Like he's a, and he's a great flyer, but, um, sounds like a good combo. There was a, a few years ago, um, you know, I was at work at, at the tu the tunnel in San Antonio and there's, I think there's three or four of us there that day. And it was a really slow day. It was like dead middle of the week during the school year, no customers. And this was before COVID. So mm. we still had like a full staff every day, no matter what. And, um, uh, Drew just showed up and, um, we're like, Hey man, what's going on? You know? And I had never met him before. So I was super excited to meet him. Cause I, I, I knew who he was. He's in a bunch of the, if you go watch, those old iFly, the IBA videos that are, you know, teaching all the skills. He's in a bunch of those videos. He used to, he used to be at uh, iFly Hollywood. I have to know this guy. I, I bet you would know him. Um, anyways, so he came in and um, he spent, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I, I, I promise you, I'm not exaggerating. He spent <laughs> at least four hours with us in the tunnel that day. Like he was in the tunnel. And the, the three or four of us instructors were just rotating in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And mm -hmm. he was coaching us on anything we asked, anything That's we great. wanted, whatever, you know, I mean, appropriately. Yeah. And, um, I learned so much that day. I, I, I felt like I progressed like, you know, three or four times beyond what I was at the beginning of that day, because just the way that he communicated in the tunnel, the way, you know, even like hand signals, they were so clear and crisp. And like, I, I always knew what he was trying to tell me to do. And, um, I remember like, even now today when I'm coaching, I'll do things and I'll feel like drew. Cause I remember him doing that. And I just picked up this little mannerism or this little mm -hmm. thing or this, you know, like whatever little things that I just picked up that day from watching him for those few hours. And same thing, like just such a great coach, um, so much experience and, and uh, connecting with people. I think that'd well, be another awesome course too, like a coaching course. If Steph, I, if Steph is still listening, which it, I don't know, Are I can't say who it is. No, no, no. I was going to say, because Steph's like my external hard drive. Oh. So if I just say, <laughs> honey, she's do we your... know this guy, Drew Steele? And uh, she's like, yep, you met him like five years ago and he's a great dude. And we she said that? Uh, I mean, she did, oh. uh, you know, oh, she, she typed that message it. in the chat. So I thought maybe she was still here and she can remind me. Yeah, you know him. Uh, this, that happens all the time. Yeah. I, and, and yeah, more than people probably realize when I, you know, somebody's telling a story and they ask me, do you know this guy? And I just kind of look at her. Yeah. Okay. I know. Him. Yeah. Yeah. I know that guy. <laughs> Steph says, I know him. I know him. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. Keep telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's great that there, there's a, a big split, I think, in just kind of the, how, how people approach those situations of like, 
you know, that's four hours of, of that guy's day and coaching and just sharing with, with other people that are in a profession that, you know, that he's been in for a long time. And it's, I think it's easy in some of those situations for people to get a little bit jaded, like, Hey, you know, I need 500 bucks or whatever. And then, and then I'm always encouraged, just kind of my faith gets restored in humanity when I hear stories like that, that somebody can just be, Hey, that's cool. Let's just, let's just teach you something. And I just want you to be better. Um, well, and, and that's not even the whole story. Actually, he had gone, he had a few days off from working in Austin and he had just decided that he was going to go around and visit the different tunnels in Texas and, and just get to know the instructors and be there hmm. like, and coach if they wanted, but he didn't have this mindset like, Oh, I'm so good. I'm going to go coach all these guys and teach sure. them. How. No, it was like, I'm just going to go show up, fly with them if they, you know, and then of course everybody wants to learn from him, but yeah. that's not his mindset. That's not his attitude, but just such a willingness. So he had gone to Dallas, he had gone to Houston and then he came to San Antonio. He was just like making the rounds, visiting the tunnels and just having fun with the instructors. Like so cool. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky enough in the, in the beginning of my tunnel days to have a, uh, I mean, not right in the beginning right in the beginning, we didn't, there were six of us and we didn't know anything and we were just hucking stuff and wildly unsafe, but there was nobody around to tell us Dude, otherwise. Um, I wish we could see those videos. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally. So the the tunnel that I had flown in prior to getting the job in Colorado was Orlando. And um, it didn't have enough wind speed at that time to pick me up. And I was wearing this old yellow, bright yellow jumpsuit with purple grippers. And I had to, I had to tape, I had to tape uh, wristbands from like the athletic store over my wrist because if I didn't wear a compression shirt underneath and it was beating me so bad that my wrists were bleeding. Uh, while huh? I was, I was learning to fly head down and didn't have a lot of power. So I was wearing the super baggy suit. So I'm trying you to come up bleeding. off the net. Yeah. I mean like, and not a little bit, like I, my wrists were bleeding. So I went to the store and got wristbands and taped them on, um, so that the suit would, would hit those cause I wanted Dude. to keep flying. Um, oh my gosh. And so that was, you know, that was my tunnel experience was, and that was back in the day. Like my first time in the tunnel was 2002 and, uh, and they just said, yeah, you bought a bunch of time, go fly. We're not, we're not doing anything, not coaching you, not teaching you. I'm not coming inside the wind. Do whatever you want. And we were doing what, do it. It was literally like want. that. I mean, there was an instructor there, but he didn't, none of them said anything. We, I mean, we were front flips and back flips and hitting the wall and they said nothing. I mean, this was, they were not helping you. No, not at all. This was before the IBA. There was, there were no rules really, or very little. And I mean, they were, you know, to be fair, it was sort of the explosion of the tunnel at that point. Like Orlando, whether people know it or not, was an amusement thing for years and years until belly flyers realized that if we go and fly in this thing as a four-way, we're going to get better. And then for like four years, Orlando ran 24 hours a day for four years. Um, and that's when Alan Metney ended up buying the the design and the rights to it from Bill Kitchen, who was the original inventor. And um, Alan decided, okay, I'm going to I'm going to start franchising this because obviously there's a, a, a need and a, a demand for, for this business. Um, but I was there in those pre Allen days of like, eh, it's just fun. Go, go have a good time. Put on a suit, try not to hurt yourself. Um, and, uh, what size was that tunnel? Ooh, like, is it small? Yeah. Small, like, like uh, 10 foot maybe. No, I, I think it was maybe a little under 12, but like corner to corner, like, you know, it was, it was the panel thing, like the, like Denver. Mm -hmm. And then Denver was like 12, six from the flat to the flat. So, so probably more like 13 and a half from corner to corner. Mm -hmm. So even though Denver is nowadays a very small tunnel, um, 
it was big at the time. And then and wasn't was Denver like way more powerful than way Orlando? more powerful. So where for, I don't know how many hours I sat on the net with my head on the net in Orlando, just trying to come up and trying to learn how to turn and trying to get enough lift where I could like bump my head across the net and go forward and then relax for a second and then really and bump my head back and I just ping across the net and I would never really leave the net. I just would release the friction enough that I could slide forward. Um, Wait, when did you start skydiving? What year? 2002. So how did you even know that head down was a thing you could do? Well, I mean, <laughs> so this is no, you know what I'm of, saying? Like, yeah, if, yeah, you, I do. if I didn't ever see someone fly head down in the tunnel or in the sky, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would, it'd be a long time before I thought of it on my own. I think. Well, I went out there the first time when I had 28 jumps, so I'd seen a little bit of skydiving and the instructors could fly, the instructors there. And so my buddy and I were very athletic and grew up that way. And he and I, uh, his name's Graham Frank, he's an incredibly talented athlete, skier, snowboarder, ice climber, rock climber, bike rider, just this just this guy that's a prodigy at the things that he does. And he and I hung at kayaking. We, we hung out all the time. We, we did all those things together. And so we started skydiving together. And then he somehow found out about the wind tunnel. I don't know how, but we didn't know what we were getting into. And at the time, both of us were making pretty good money. And, um, and he said, Hey, I'm in Florida. There's a wind tunnel here. And, uh, I think at the time I owned a bar and, and, and I did, I owned a bar and, and, uh, He's like, can you, do you think you can come down to Florida tomorrow? And I was tomorrow. like, what's a, what's a wind tunnel? You're it's thinking just, like a horizontal wind tunnel, like for yeah, cars yeah. and airplanes. He's like, no, it's vertical. It's like a skydiving simulator. We can, we can buy time and just go screw around. Um, you know, learn how to be a better flyer. I was like, yeah. all right. So I booked a ticket and went down there the next day. And that's on a Friday. And, um, you know, we said, how much is it? And he's like, well, it's 600 bucks an hour. I'm like, all right. He's like, you buy the first six on Friday night and I'll buy the next six on Saturday. Wait, okay. what? Man, the first six hours? Uh-huh. So, you bought 12 hours. 12 hours and two nights. Um, Did you fly all 12 hours? Yeah. It, we, we figured out right away that uh, we, we weren't going to be able to physically fly all of it ourselves. So we, we invited a few other people. Um, and that's where I actually met Mike Swanson, who was one of my original free fly coaches. Um, he came and flew with us. I think uh, Thomas Hughes might have come and fly there's some old, no old school way. people are you that, serious yeah i can't remember if thomas came to that trip thomas coached me when i was really young as that very ever. first weekend thomas maybe, was there maybe uh there were a bunch of people there um, we need to have thomas on the show yeah he's great uh yeah so anyway i don't know if we got to head down on that trip but i did go back there i mean i was i was all in and uh i went back there and the instructors of course let me try head down um yeah but then so the the finish of that is i went back to colorado and the tunnel is now way fast enough to do head down wait that that denver tunnel was there already no well i got hired to be an instructor there but um, what year so was that that was in 2005 in february 2005 and we went down to orlando to get trained um you do uh as you know a multi-week training process so i think we did the first we did two weeks in orlando and then we flew back to denver because they had the uh construction had progressed far enough that we could we could use the tunnel um and then we did our last week in the tunnel where we were going to work. Um, and so as soon as the course was over, you know, it's not that busy. And I always ended up working on weekdays. And just like you said, like there's a full staff and it's not that busy. And then the owner said, well, if you get done with everything, you can vacuum the carpet and clean the glass or whatever, then you can just fly as much as you want. Um, yeah. And, and I made that face, like, can you repeat that when I, can you write that down I, and sign recording? It? Can you say that again? <laughs> um, but they were true to their word and we flew as much as we wanted. And, uh, 
surprisingly, not a lot of people actually were that interested. Like Steph, my wife was super interested. So we flew together a lot. Um, but so I knew I could fly head down on the net and I could grab the net. Now the tunnel's so fast, I can come up off the net. I can, I'm starting to fly head down and I'm, I'm comfortable, but I don't have a transition and there's nobody there who can spot me. And I didn't want that to stop me. <laughs> and so the, uh, our trainer was rusty and he went out of town. Wait, could you um, fly head up? Yeah, yeah, I I could fly head up um, pretty well when I got the instructor job, um, just okay. from all the time in Orlando. Okay. Um, so Rusty left, and I thought, oh, there's nobody here to tell me otherwise. And so you know, when you grab the net, you get down on your knees, you grab the net, you put your head down on the net, and you flip your legs up, and up you come. I just didn't grab the net, and I tried a front flip transition, which is not the right one to try first, but I didn't know any better. And Chris, I don't know how many hundreds of times I slammed myself into the wall because I got too much drive on my belly and just whack it onto the wall. You're back into the glass. Yeah, my back into the glass. And then, you know, I knew that I was getting close when finally after I don't know how many days of doing this and kind of being hurt that my back leg hit the glass and I stopped. Oh, that was pretty good. <laughs> but I, I don't You're know. You're like, how that, I, actually, that actually didn't yeah. hurt. And everybody there is just like, look at. Jairus be just an idiot in the tunnel, like just whack, <laughs> whack, whack, over and over, over and, and over. over. But I, eventually, I got it. Not as quick as probably somebody else who That's so tries fun, that same man. technique. Cool. Yeah. So, would hmm. like would y'all stay late into the night flying, or just? Uh, I think some people did. I, I wouldn't. Uh, when my shift was over, I was happy to go. But um, also, I was one of the people. And it was a really small number. There's and and some good flyers, Josh Evans and and uh, Mikey Silva, who I don't know if you know those guys, but they competed at MFS for years. Incredibly talented flyers, and then myself and Steph. And they those guys were kind of a, they were good buddies, and they flew a lot together. And Steph and I flew a lot together. Um, and otherwise, the staff just wasn't that interested in flying. Which yeah. I I don't know why you work at a wind tunnel if you're not that interested in flying, but they weren't, and that was fine with me. So in the middle of the day on the weekdays that I was there. I might fly for five hours uh, wow. and then go home. And I didn't feel the need to stay late into the evening. So yeah. I kind of am tired. Yeah. yeah. That's cool, um, man. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was great. I feel like I was in a, a different, I mean, I'm obviously I'm not dead yet, but I feel like I was in a different era of uh, the tunnel industry. And I, oh, I missed that time. Um, totally dude. You yeah. totally were. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, I have a couple of friends who, <clears throat> worked with me well one that worked with me at san antonio that had previously worked in chicago um and when he first started was quite a while back you know quite a few years ago and he was saying you know at the end of the day well first of all they would because of where the tunnel is located there's a, a ton of foot traffic hmm. and so they had walk-ins all the time and even until like midnight one two in the morning they would have walk-ins and if there was people coming in the door they'd stay open yeah and, um, but then when they would finally, when they would close, he said they would all go, they would all go to the bar across the street or restaurant across is like a bar and grill, I think is what he said, eat, have a couple of drinks, hang out, talk, laugh. And then they'd go right back over to the tunnel, turn it on and fly until, you know, three, two thirty, three in the morning, three thirty, whatever, just having a blast, just goofing around, hup jam, you know? Yeah. So I have to be honest that, uh, I did go out after work one time with some of the other instructors and I didn't have keys to the building. So it didn't matter what I wanted to do, which is why I, I never stayed late. Or I just went home, but we went out for a beer 
and uh something to eat across the street there was yeah, whatever and uh we had a couple of beers and then they bought us a shot and i was like guys I, all right but i gotta chill i gotta drive home and i'm not I, like i live 40 minutes north um and they said hey do you want to go fly some more mm-hmm. are we supposed to do that <laughs> like yeah well we do it all the time and i think they allowed? did they, because the one guy idea? had keys and so we went over there and i'm kind of buzzed and like so I, okay i get my suit on i fly maybe 30 seconds maybe one minute and i'm i'm buzzed i'm like guys this is stupid like i got out i watched them fly for a little while and they're like are you gonna fly anymore i'm like no i no like i have i've been drinking like this is dumb and i left and they kept flying and we got in some we got in some trouble uh, did you yeah because of like i don't know i don't know what had happened if they had installed a security system or they finally took the time to look at the security system or something like that but uh we didn't have permission and not that i i mean i was an adult i i chose to go there and the, the you know the owner gave me a pretty good chewing um and said that was not okay and you guys didn't have permission and now we got to change policy and i thought oh man i'm i i i just messed it up for everybody um <laughs> but luckily they were they were pretty level-headed guys and they, they didn't take it on too hard on us. Yeah. Yeah. We still got to fly. Yeah. Well, it's that time, JRS. All right. You've, I didn't, you, I had the chat open, so I didn't even, you've, you've oh, an hour and 13. Wow. You've done it again. You've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to the Crave show with JRS and Fikes. Fikes. I like <laughs> it. I have to get that across the top of your head right there. <laughs> Yeah, thanks cool, for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've maybe you learned something this time. I think I learned something. It was fun. Heard some cool stories, got some laughs. Yeah. J Russ, mm-hmm. thanks, man. It's fun. Thanks, Fikes. I'll work yeah. on our guest for next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try to make it stick. Cool. Man. Actually I do ha- I do have quite a few friends that call me that. All right. There yeah. you go. I learned something too. All right. That, uh you guys get out there, get in the sky, have fun, be safe, enjoy. Enjoy jumping out of that plane and uh, don't take it too serious. Have a good time. Remember, we're getting to fly, man. We're going to jump out of airplanes. So awesome. Isn't it? I mean, can uh-huh. you believe that, that we get to do that? I got to listen to your advice. Sometimes I take it too seriously. It's so fun. It's so fun. Yeah. Man, cool, get man. out in the sky and enjoy it. Have a good time with your friends. Yeah. Have a good time. All right. Blue skies. Crave. Cool. Do more. Be better. Thanks, you guys. See you, Jairus. See you.